maybe seated church, um, you're going to get uh, one chance at this, okay? No second chances. Um, Merry Christmas. Three weeks in, you got it. You got it. Merry Christmas. How many of you have already started to celebrate the Christmas season with family and friends? Anybody done that first gathering yet? All right. We're here. We are in the season. And guys, I, I hate to break the news to you. We are like, we are well past that deadline where you can jump on Amazon and just think Amazon Prime's gonna care about you right now because they're not. So you might actually have to put some serious effort in if it's gonna be uh, under the tree on Christmas morning. So uh, good luck. Good luck. Well, Merry Christmas. Hope each of you are doing well. We're still in our sermon series called Gift Swap. And if you remember last week, it was a um, it was a touchy morning, right? It was it was sensitive, um, it was heartfelt. I think for a lot of people, where we discussed our grief and how we need to exchange, we need to give God our grief uh, in exchange for His precious joy. We're still in that sermon series of of giving uh, our not so great gifts to God in exchange for uh, His perfect gifts. And so this morning, I would like us to give God our loneliness. We're going to give God our loneliness this morning. In exchange, you probably caught wind with the songs this morning for his precious friendship. I'm going to say his perfect friendship. Loneliness. The holiday seasons, much like our, our grief the holidays seem to magnify our loneliness, don't they? Whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas gatherings or New Year's celebrations, whatever it is that we are doing, it just seems like if we are lonely, walking into this season, it's magnified. And I don't think we give the emotion, the feeling, the condition of loneliness, enough recognition, or enough thought. Because I'm willing to bet there are many people in this room full of people that feel lonely right now. And that's where you are at. So this morning, let's give God our loneliness and experience his precious friendship. I've been there. I, I know what loneliness feels like. About a year ago, at this very time, I was deep in the emotion of homesickness. You ever been there? It takes a lot for a dude to admit that, okay? I'm sensitive, all right? You ever been homesick? Man, what a, what a terrible feeling. It's terrifying. Maybe, maybe right now you're, you're, you're remembering that, that loss, right? You're, you're grieving all over again because you, now you realize you're alone, or, or maybe your, your loneliness is a result of some sinful act that you've pushed people away in your life and you are, you're reaping what you're sowing right now and, and you're alone. Well, this morning, I want to encourage you that God is good and he's with you. God is really good and he wants to be your friend this morning. Do you believe that, church? In the midst of your loneliness. What I want you to do, we're not going to read it yet, don't put it on the screen, but go to Psalm 142. I'm going to give you a moment to go there. We're going to look at the story of David. 
Now, if you know anything about David, I love his character because David doesn't hide anything. If David is feeling a particular emotion, he writes it down. And then what we get to see with the character of, of David is that he writes things down as he feels it, and then he experiences God, and then he, he writes down his flesh, and it's, it's much a roller coaster ride. Do you, do you know what kind of ride I'm talking about? What, what kind of ride that David is on? Like, man, life is great, but life's terrible. Life is great, but life's terrible. And just David pours his heart out on the pages. And what we're about to read is where David is running for his life. And David has found the shelter of a cave. And now he is about to pour out his heart to God in his loneliness. So go to Psalm 142. And we're going to see what David has to say in this condition. Psalm 142, he says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Are you seeing this, this roller coaster, this wave of emotion that David is pouring out? He's like, oh, poor pitiful me. Verse 5, then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. There is no question what David was feeling in this, in this moment. I, I love and appreciate his honesty right here, don't you? Like, you don't have to wonder what was on his mind, what was on his heart, what he was feeling. In this particular moment, his physical condition was alone. You ever been there? He was alone. But what we see right here is that David starts to wrestle with far more than his physical condition of loneliness. He starts to wrestle with feeling like he is spiritually alone. Church, that's, that's the danger. That, that's where the struggle takes place. Your physical condition very much may be alone. But the danger here is that David starts to feel like he is alone from God. He's separated from God. He doesn't feel his presence. You ever felt that way? So this morning, I think what we need to do to make sure that we can receive the precious gift of God's friendship is we need to be aware of some of the lies that Satan wants us to believe about our loneliness. And the first lie, y'all ready? It's going to be on the screen. I want you to write this down. The first lie is don't ever believe the lie that you are alone. Don't ever believe that lie. I want to turn your attention to verse 4. He says, I'll look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. Does that sound like anything you have ever said in your loneliness? And what is happening here is that Satan is starting to trick his mind and actually make him think he's alone. 
alone physically, and then alone spiritually. And that's what you and I need to be aware of in our loneliness. If you remember last week when we talked about our grief, that Satan wants nothing more in our grief to separate us from God because he wants to take advantage of that vulnerable position that you are in. In your loneliness, you are just as vulnerable to Satan. And what he wants you to do, what he wants you to think, is that you are actually alone. Not just physically, but spiritually. That's the lie that he wants you to believe. And what we read here with David, man, he's, he's riding that roller coaster. You know, I, I'm with God. He's good. He's my refuge. Oh, but no one's here. Like, I'm all alone. Did you see that? You ever been there? Ever wrestled with God in that way? And what I think we, we don't do in church near enough is we don't talk about our mental health near enough. We don't talk about the effects of loneliness on our mind. And for some reason, we think that we can't talk about mental health in church because God only deals with the spirit. How can we talk about the mind? Well, guess what, church? God very much deals with the mind. He wants your mind so he can have your heart. God cares about your mental state. And in your loneliness, Satan starts to trick you. He wants to make you believe that you're alone. There's going to be a quote from a famous psychiatrist on the screen, Dr. J.H. Vandenberg, and this is what he says about loneliness. If loneliness didn't exist, we could reasonably assume that psychiatric illness would not occur either. He had drawn the strong conclusion that our loneliness, the way that we feel mentally, has so much effects on our body. Satan wants you there. He wants you in that unhealthy state. He wants control of your mind. If he can have your mind, he can have your heart. He can trick you into making you actually think you are alone. Don't believe that lie. Don't get yourself into that condition. I think God goes through great lengths in his word to affirm, to encourage his children, that you are not alone. And what we know about God is he is a triune God. What do I mean by that? That we got God the Father, we got God the Son, and we got God the Holy Spirit. He knows what community is. And what we see in Scripture is that he goes through great lengths to share with us that we are never alone. What we're about to do, if you're a note taker, I want you to get your phones out, I want you to write these down. Last week was so important that we believed in the truths of Scripture. It's no different this week. That we need to believe that God is always with us. That we are never alone. So what we're going to do is we're going to work through those three phases. We're going to see what God the Father in heaven says. Then we're going to look what Jesus says. Then we're going to see what the Holy Spirit does. So the first one that I want you to write down, that I want you to remember, is Deuteronomy 31.6. This is the God of the Old Testament reminding his people. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you, what church, nor abandon you. God of the Old Testament, reminding his people, I am with you. I'm always there. You are not by yourself. Go to the Gospels, Matthew chapter 28. These are the words of Christ. 28, the second part of verse 20. He says, and be sure of this. I am with you, what church? Always, even to the end of the age. That's Christ comforting his disciples in this moment. He's like, I'm here. I'm going to be with you. 
And then let's look at John 14, 16 through 18. This is Jesus talking. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Some of your translations may read comforter, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. In this moment, Jesus is about to leave his disciples. He's about to say, listen, my physical body, I'm about to die. I'm going to go away. But whoa, don't don't panic. Can you imagine the the moment they felt? Right right here, how alone they must have felt. They gave up their, their families. They gave up their jobs to follow him. He was their life. And he's about to say, I'm going to die. But the comfort that he gives them is saying, listen, somebody's coming far greater than me. Somebody that's not bound by flesh. He can be anywhere all the time in you. It's the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, church. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have received the Holy Spirit. And he is with you all the time. Did you hear me? Do you believe it? You are never alone. Never believe the lie that Satan would have you to believe that you are alone. God in the Trinity goes through great lengths to tell you he's always there. You have to believe him. Much more than that. These aren't going to be on the screen. You need to listen to my words. If you're a note taker, get ready. Okay. I think God in his tremendous grace gives us three practical ways to demonstrate his friendship to us. Are you ready for it? The first one that I want you to write down is his word. God gives us his word. One of my favorite stories is several years ago, I went to a conference where one of my spiritual mentors was giving um, a conference on, on discipleship. His name is Robert Coleman. At the time, he was about 88, 89 years old. He stood up on that stage for an hour and a half preaching. His body was, was physically frail, and he was giving us all he had. It was awesome. And so at the end of this conference, all these pastors wanted to ask him questions. It was a Q&A. And the entire time that he was preaching, about an hour and a half, he was holding on to a Bible that was about three or four times this thick. Any of you have them? Probably because it's got the big letters in it. Nobody's judging you, right? I mean, heavy, like a brick. And what we've noticed while he was preaching is he would... He would have it under his arm like this the whole time. Or he would grab it and he would hold it like this. Or he would do two hands. Or he would do this. He never let go of the word of God. And somebody asked him. They said, "Uh, uh, Dr. Coleman, why do you preach holding the word of God the entire time? I'll never forget what he said. He said, because when when I'm holding the word of God, I feel like I'm holding the hand of God. He found a precious friend in the Holy Word of God. Child of God, if you are dealing with loneliness, do you pick up the precious Word of God and see what he has to say to you? It's a gift of his friendship to you. Do you take advantage? The second thing that I want you to write down, the way he demonstrates his friendship to us, is the precious privilege of prayer. That communion that we can have with God the Father in prayer. 
Scripture says that Jesus is the great high priest. What that means is that he's sitting at the right hand of God, receiving our request and presenting it to God the Father. We have the privilege to go straight to God in prayer, talking to him. How wonderful it is to know that even in our physical condition of loneliness, I always have somebody to talk to. Is that not wonderful, church? You can always talk to God in prayer. And this third thing that I want you to write down, how he demonstrates his friendship to us, is his church. Is his church. Let's make things really awkward. Are you good with that? Say, yeah. Yeah. I want you to look around. I can see all of you from this point, but you need to look around to see other people. Make it super awkward. How often do you turn all the way around and look at somebody behind you? Go for it. Let's do it. Second moment. Make it awkward. Look around. Look around. The back row, they're like, hey, we're here. We're Baptist, but we're here. We're here. Do you see how, how, how precious this is? This is his church. These are his children gathered. One of the precious gifts of God's church is the fellowship of the believers. When you can come here and not be alone, you've got people here that will love you. You've got people here that will call you, that will text you, that will come to your doorstep. You've got the family of God here. And I'm going to say something harsh. Don't throw stones. If you walk in here and feel alone and leave here still alone, that's your own fault. Things are set up. There are things in in place for you to find friendship, for you to find communion with God's people that can be there for you in your loneliness. It is a precious gift of God, a demonstration of his grace and friendship, his church. Do you take advantage? He's been good to you. He's offered several things for you to find his friendship. You are never alone. Don't ever believe that lie. The second lie, don't believe the lie that God is not enough. Don't believe the lie that somehow, some way, God is not enough. The name El Shaddai that he gives himself in the Old Testament, that very name that God gave himself to describe his character means the all-sufficient one. So what God is doing in that moment when he says, I'm El Shaddai, is he's saying, I, I've got you. I, I'm, I'm the best friend you ever have. I'm the best friend you'll only need. I am all sufficient in all things. Every need that you have, I can fill it. That's what he's saying by naming himself the all-sufficient one. He said, I, I'm, I'm it. And what I love here is that, is that he, he's fulfilling his character. He's saying, I'm, I'm good. Now, here's the challenge to you in your loneliness. I, I think I, I want to describe it this way and see if you've ever said this in your loneliness. That somehow, some way, God doesn't understand this. And, and I, don't, I don't need God in this moment. I need somebody in the living room with me. I don't need God. I, I need a boyfriend or I need a girlfriend. 
I don't need God. I need a spouse. I don't need God. I just need somebody to come visit me. I don't need God. I need blank. What you are saying in your loneliness is that God is not all sufficient. When God is saying, I'm all you need, and I'm enough, I'm all you need. So don't believe the lie that you need someone or something other than God himself. We see here in Psalm 142 this this back and forth aspect. He says, when I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Jump down to verse 5. Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, you are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Do you feel the same way? But here's how our loneliness makes us think. We somehow think to ourselves that God does not understand my loneliness. There's no way that a perfect God in heaven can understand how this feels. I want to challenge you with that. Let's talk about the character of Jesus real briefly. I believe that Jesus was the loneliest man to ever live in the history of the world. Can you imagine being an 18-year-old boy and sinless? How awkward and weird he must have felt? That's a joke. That's funny. Can you imagine how he felt? Walking the streets, seeing all his buddies doing what they're doing. He's like, I can't do that. I've got to be righteous. got to be holy, right? He couldn't, he couldn't do that. His parents were looking for him. Little Jesus, where is Jesus at? Oh, we found him in the tabernacle praying. What kid that age is doing that? Like he was holy and righteous. He was set apart. He was lonely. That's his personhood. But then let's go to the cross, the, the spiritual aspect of it. When Jesus crawled up on that cross and took all the sins of all mankind forever. And in that moment, he was separated from God because of our sin. Can you imagine the the perfect communion he had with the Father torn from him? How lonely he must have felt. So for us to ever say that God does not understand our loneliness is heresy. God knows Jesus knows loneliness, and he died for it. He knows how you feel. He knows that emotion all too well. And what David finally got to in the psalm right here is he says, You, the one that knows the way, are all I really want in life. Have you gotten to that point in your loneliness? you're like, God, you are it. God understands your loneliness. He died for it. We've been using this word friendship. That Jesus is your friend, that you have a friend in him. I want you to write this question down. It's not going to be on the screen. How can I know? That I'm a friend of Jesus. I want you to write that down. How can I know that I'm a friend of Jesus? Write that down, file it away. How, how can I know? And then here's the answer. Because he died for me. 
how can I know that I'm a friend of Jesus? He died for me. Let's look. John 15, 12 through 15. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me. If you are wondering this morning, how can I have the precious friendship of Jesus? All you have to do is place your faith and trust in him and receive the greatest friend you'll ever have. Jesus says, I'm your friend because I died for you. Do you trust in him this morning? Do you trust in that friendship? How great a hope we have as children of God to know that the God we serve, the God in heaven, makes himself so known, he calls himself friend. You never have to be alone. God is always with you. He is all sufficient, and he wants to be your friend this morning. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for being our friend. God, I pray for those this morning that are dealing with the physical reality of being alone and how compounded that emotion may feel because of this season. Pray for that person, God, that you would make yourself known. That you would keep them from believing the lie. That they're alone. And that you're not enough. Help us to trust you in our loneliness. Help us to receive the precious friendship of Jesus. Let us always know that you're going nowhere and that you're really good. Help us this morning. We are so thankful that you loved us enough to send Jesus to die on the cross to offer forgiveness and friendship. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's precious name we pray.